Well, good morning. I also want to acknowledge that Richard Riondo is part of the financial advisory team. And Richard, we salute you and we thank you for your leadership in that team. So you do many things behind the scenes and we want to honor you as well. And thank you. And I was including you in that prayer of yours. So we appreciate all that you do. The title of this sermon is Watch Your Tongue or Watch Your Speech or Watch Your Words. Last week we heard from Steve that James' main burden is for us to understand that we are justified by faith alone, but that faith is not alone. True faith is accompanied by good works. And so we are not to only be hearers of God's word, but we are to be doers of God's word. And our obedience, expressed through good works, proves and strengthens our faith. Our obedience to God's word is the fulfillment of our Faith. Let me put it in another word, in, in, in another way. Our obedience to God's word, our good works, is the demonstration of our true faith. So our true faith must be accompanied by good works. Well, this morning we're going to see another burden of James that he has for us as a church. This burden is this, keeping a guard or a close watch over our speech or keeping our words under control. Anybody here ever have trouble restraining your tongue? Have you ever, well, let me rephrase that. Have you lately considered the magnitude of the power of words. James gives us a solemn warning this morning. As I was preparing this sermon, I was anxious because it's a dark text. It's a difficult text. It's a hard text to preach. But I feel compelled to preach the word of God because it is a solemn warning. It is glorious if we take heed of God's warning. Because when we do, we will grow in our sanctification. We will become more like Jesus and we will avoid all kinds of of destruction in terms of relationships and hardships because of the use of our tongue. So let's dive into the sermon. Throughout the course of human history, different weapons have been used to bring massive death and destruction. For example... The earliest manuscripts documented incident of the intent to use biological weapons dates all the way back to the 1500s to the 1200s 
B.C. It's been known that a parasitic fungus was used to poison the wells of the enemy. During the 4th century B.C., Scythian archers tipped their arrow tips with infected blood, animal feces, and they tipped it in the dirt, hoping to cause infection in the wounds of the enemy. During the Middle Ages, victims of the bubonic plague were used for biological warfare. The attacking enemy would fling dead bodies of humans that were infected by the bubonic plague over the castle walls by giant catapults. The intent was to kill the entire besieged city short of surrender. One more example. This weapon was also used for mass destruction, and this weapon destroyed nearly six million lives. The weapon of choice, Adolf Hitler's tongue. It was Adolf Hitler's idealistic speech for the pursuit of pure human race that set Europe ablaze. What an amazing power our tongue can have. Do you think that incident of the Holocaust was by itself? Do you think that was the only incident using the tongue as a weapon? Many of you are too young, but some of you might remember the days of Jim Jones and David Koresh. My question for us this morning is, have we considered lately the magnitude of the power of the tongue, our speech, the word choices that comes out of our mouths? Last week we heard that true faith must produce good works. Well, in our text this morning, James turns his attention back to one of his other main concerns, and that is the control of the tongue. If you look with me in chapter 1, verse 19, James says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, Slow to anger. Verse 26, if anyone thinks his, he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. In our text this morning, verse 8, but no human being can, can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And in chapter 4, verse 11, he says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And so this 
leads us to our text this morning. And here's the main theme of our text this morning. This is the burden in which this word is to be imposed upon us for our sanctification. And my hope and my prayer this morning is that in this solemn morning that we would take heed of this warning. Here it is. Our tongue is difficult to control. Therefore, Church, we must watch our tongue because it is a source of great destructiveness among the church. Have you ever committed sin by the slip of your tongue? You said something out of anger and now it is too late because damage has already been done. Tears have already been shed. The power of our words is astounding. Have you ever been part of an innocent group conversation that turned ugly in 0.1 seconds? Before you knew it, you were part of, you were part of a conversation that bashed a, a, a brother or sister in Christ. Oh, church, the tongue is difficult to control. That is why we need to, to watch our tongue because it is the source of great destructiveness in our church, in our marriage, in our homes, in our families, in, where, in, in our workplaces, where we go to school. Our words are powerful, and it is difficult to keep them under control outside of divine enablement. This morning, we're going to look at three observations about the tongue. Here's the first one. Point number one, the power of the tongue. Look with me at verses one and two. Not many of you should become teachers my brothers, for you know that we, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Back in the days of James in the early church, the Jewish culture highly valued the position of teacher. It was a well-respected profession. And perhaps some were aspiring to become teachers, but with the wrong reasons, but with the wrong motivations. Therefore, James gave a strong warning to his followers in his church by warning them that that. Those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Matthew 12, verse 36, Jesus said this, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. This strict warning should restrain teachers from using careless words. 
I do want us to note that James doesn't intend to dissuade those who are gifted and called from pursuing ministry, but that would-be teachers must first consider that they will be judged more strictly. Becoming a spiritual teacher is a very weighty matter. The teacher's responsibility is great because his words and his examples affect the entire congregation's life. Teachers have significant influence over their congregation. You don't believe that? Remember again, Jim Jones, David Koresh, Kenneth Copeland, and all the like. Don't you love it that James, the lead pastor of the Jerusalem church, includes himself in the conversation? In fact, he says the word we six times in 12 verses. Amazing. James knew the weightiness of this matter very well. You see, one of the most common instruments of sin and harm was the human mouth. This was a common Jewish idea. We see this from their Bibles, Proverbs 11, verse 9. With his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor. Proverbs 18, or Proverbs 12, verse 18. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. James was intimately aware of the danger and the power of the tongue and its effect on the body of believers, the body of Christ. Let me ask you this, church. Are you intimately aware of the power of your tongue? King David knew that he alone could not restrain his tongue. This is why he prayed so earnestly in Psalm 141, verse 3. He prays this. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. For some of us who have trouble restraining our tongue, perhaps this is a prayer that we can incorporate in our prayer times. Church, this is why the Bible gives careful and clear qualifications for elders. Did you know that all the, the qualifications for an elder found in both 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 all address character except one? That one qualification has to do with gifting, and that is that elder must be able to teach. The rest of the biblical qualifications for an elder has to do something about his character. That is why teachers must not be appointed carelessly. 
Verse 2, for, all, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. He's able to control his whole body. He's able to restrain his whole body. Pastor teachers stumble in many ways, right? You see it in the news. Pastor teachers stumble through infidelity, through pride, because of the love of money, because of the pursuit of recognition, because of the pursuit of success in numbers and figures and the size of the building. One of the most common ways that teachers stumble is in what they say. What's the point? The point that James is making here is that teachers will inevitably stumble in what they say because they are not yet perfect or complete in virtue. If a teacher is morally perfect, then he's able to bridle his whole body. You know what? This verse right here underscores or highlights or emphasizes the idea of how difficult it is to put a rein on our tongue or our speech. The context of this passage is about teachers and the church, but I want to drill down to secondary applications. Let me ask you this, if you are a community group leader, if you are a ministry leader, how are you guarding your tongue when you serve those who are placed under your care? As a spouse, in what ways do you need to to use discretion and choose wise words to maintain peace and unity in your marriage? As parents, in what ways do you need to choose your words wisely so that it upbuilds your children and not bring them down and discourage them? Are the words that you speak to your children destructive or are they gentle, compassionate, and redemptive? As children, What do you need to change in your speech so that when you talk towards your siblings or your friends, that they are more edifying and encouraging instead of belittling? Young people, your words have immense power. Watch your tongue, restrain your tongue. Watch your words. Listen, if you're not a believer, then it's more difficult for you to watch your tongue. You have no hope and you have no help. But you can have help and you can have hope only if you run to Jesus and plead for that help. And so if you're not a believer this morning, I want to appeal to you to repent of your sins, accept him as Lord and Savior of your life. Only then you will have the help that you need in order to control your tongue. 
Verse 2 again, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. The tongue is such a small part of the human body, but it has disproportional power to affect the entire body. And so to help us better understand the power of the tongue, James gives us two illustrations. Look with me at verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. In the ancient Mediterranean world, the people would have easily understood the common illustrations that involved horses and ships. Well, for us today, we don't have a whole lot of horses running around in Titusville, do we? But have you ever stood by a Clydesdale horse? They are massive animals, but yet with a little metal piece called a bit placed in the tongue, the rider can turn that horse left or right, whichever way they choose. A little piece of metal can turn that massive body of muscles whichever direction. Port Canaveral is home to one of Disney's biggest cruise ship. The Disney Dream Cruise Line weighs 130,000 gross tons and can hold 4,000 passengers. Now, compared to this auditorium, which has a maximum capacity of 300, this ship is massive, yet it can be turned by a small part of the ship called the rudder. Amazing. What's the point of the illustrations? A relatively small part of the body can control the whole thing. Our tongue is a small part of our body, but we should not underestimate the potential it has for destruction. If a small little piece of metal can turn a beast, or if a small part of a ship like a rudder can turn an entire massive shift, then we should control our tongue because it has great potential. James says in verse 5, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. The tongue can make a three-pound bass sound like a 12-pound bass, can't it? Our words can make a small accomplishment seem like a huge accomplishment, can't it? Your words can lighten the mood in a room 
or it can escalate the tension in the room. Amazing, the potential of the power of the tongue. Curtis Vaughn, in his book, The Study Guide of James, comments on this verse. Listen to the power of your tongue. Listen to the power of your speech. Listen to the words that you choose and the effect it has not only on you, but on the people. The words, it can sway men to violence or it can move them to the noblest actions. It can instruct the ignorant, encourage the dejected, comfort the sorrowing and smooth or soothe the dying or it can crush the human spirit, destroy reputations, spread distrust and hate and bring nations to the brink of war. Church, this is the power of the tongue. You see why this is a huge burden for James and why it must be a huge burden for us today. It's difficult to control our speech and we need to make every effort to watch our tongue because it can be a source of great destructiveness in our church, in our ministries, those whom we serve, those whom we love. The second observation that we can make about the tongue is this, the destructive and untamable nature of the tongue. Listen to this. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. It's amazing how little fires can cause great destructions. Even one little fading ember placed at just the right time, at the right place, with the right conditions, can set ablaze a majestic forest. Majestic oaks, lush cedar trees, tall and robust pine trees can all go up in flames by just one little ember. And so it is with the little tongue. It has the potential to pollute the whole body of an individual, or it has the potential to pollute an entire body of a congregation. This little tongue that we have, the speech that we have, has the potential to destroy everything on its 
path. It has the power to destroy a healthy marriage. It has the power to destroy a close-knit family. It has the power to destroy close-knit relationships that took years of forging. It can all come crashing down in matters of seconds. It can destroy the healthiest of churches and therefore many lives. James compares the tongue to a fire. This also is a common Jewish idea. We don't really talk about our tongue as a fire, but in those days, in that context, in that culture, it was common for them to see that the tongue was like a fire. Listen to this, Proverbs 16, verse 27. A worthless man digs up evil while his words are like scorching fire. Have you ever seen a close-knit relationship because, become estranged because of a lying tongue? Have you ever seen a mega church reduced to only a few sitting in a massive building? Church, let us not underestimate the power of the tongue. I wish I could encourage you. (laughs) It's a way to matter, isn't it? It's a powerful weapon. We can use it for good. Or we can use it for bad. We can use it to honor. Or we can use it to to, to tear down. And the tongue, he continues, is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue can cause gossip. It can slander someone's name. It can cause degrading embarrassment. It has the potential to kindle hate. It can create discord. The tongue can be used to bring down others. The tongue can be used to make situations difficult that are difficult already more difficult because or through complaining. The tongue can sow envy. It can manipulate through flattery. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness that can incite lust. It can create rumors that can spread like wildfires throughout the church in matters of seconds. The picture that James wants us to see here is that the tongue can incite the whole body into violence. James says, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it has the potential to ruin and destroy an entire person's cycle of life. Isn't that a a tragedy? Gossip, 
Lies, slander, flattery has the power to spoil and stain and corrupt the entire moral character of a person. James continues, the tongue is a fire and it is set on fire by hell. So we know the source of the world of unrighteousness. It is hell itself. Satan uses the tongue to divide and pit people against each other. Wife against husbands, parents against children, siblings against siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ against brothers and sisters in Christ. So what should we do to avoid quarreling? What should we do to avoid conflicts? What should we avoid a destruction of a beautiful relationship? While we live our lives together in community groups, while we fellowship together during church events, while we live at home, and while we live in our neighborhood, while we work at our workplaces, and while we shop in, the mar- shop in the markets, what are some of the practical things that we can do? Perhaps before we speak, we should ask ourselves these questions. Is what I want to say true? Is it necessary? Is what I want to say kind? Is it humble? Is it informed by charitable judgment? Is what I'm going to say in this situation right now make the situation better or worse? Will my words in this heated moment Take the situation, the circumstances, towards reconciliation and restoration. Is it going to build up my wife or my husband or my son or my daughter? Or is it going to tear down and discourage those around me? Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Church, we must fight to watch or guard our tongue. They can be weapons of mass destruction. A few words spoken in anger, can destroy a beautiful marriage of 30 years. A long time ago, a long, long time ago, and I'm emphasizing this because our neighbors, Rick and Veronica, are here, so I'm not talking about them, but a long, long time ago, over 20 years ago, I was sitting in my home And I remember this just screaming. And I couldn't tell which direction it was coming from. I couldn't tell who it was coming from. But later I found out that it was this married couple just two doors down from us. And this wife, she was expending every ounce of her energy just 
yelling and saying hateful and hurtful words to her husband. Not long after that, they got divorced. And the collateral damage, the family life of two beautiful daughters ruined. Trinity Community Church, watch your tongue. Alex Bowman, watch your tongue. Church, it would serve us well to remember Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, when we are in conflict. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Church, our struggles are not against our spouses. Our struggles are not against our children. Our struggles are not against our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our struggles are against Satan himself. It is Satan himself who sets man's tongue on fire. Evil speech destroys because it comes from Satan himself, and it is he who is seeking to steal your joy and to to take away your peace and to kill and destroy all the good things in your life. Tell you what. Knowing Ephesians 6, 12 gives us compassion for the other person when in conflict, doesn't it? To help us better understand how hard it is to control our tongue, James gives us another illustration He says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It is true in Genesis 1 that God has given man dominion over the creatures of the earth. Just look at the circus. Lions and tigers have been tamed to perform and, and they can do whatever, um, they do whatever they are, are trained to do by their trainers. Man has used the birds of the air to, to do their hunting for them. Sea creatures like Shamu, the killer whale, they've been tamed and trained to do tricks to bring laughter to children and adults. Man can tame the most fiercest and most massive animals, yet he cannot tame his own tongue. But no human being can tame the tongue. James says emphatically, why? Well, he tells us because it is a restless evil. The tongue cannot be restrained. It is never at rest. It is unstable. It is unruly. It is 
It is disorderly and disruptive. It is not open to or agreeable to being controlled or disciplined. The tongue is full of deadly poison. James frames our tongue as a poisonous snake full of toxic venom. My, this is a fun text to preach. Thank you. It's God's word, so I must bring it. It's for our good, right, church? The human tongue is always poised to strike and inject its poison, isn't it? It's not funny, haha, but last week, I think Melinda and I had about three arguments. And most of it was due to, to me. It's the kindness of the Lord to, to allow you to experience what we should experience in this text or what we experience in this text while, while I work on it and as I think of you during the week and as I pray for you. It really is God's kindness. Though it wasn't pleasant, his intent was to help me see, oh man, watch your tongue. Isn't our tongue and our speech so powerful? And James is clear that no human being can tame the tongue. No one can without divine enablement. There's hope for us. So far, we've seen the power of the tongue and then the destructive and untamable nature of the tongue. This is my third and last point, and this will go quickly, and we'll go to lunch together during Father's Day. Point number three, the perverseness of the tongue. Church, this is the word of God. With it, we bless our Lord and Father And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers, my sisters. These things ought not to be so. The tongue can be used to build up or tear down. The tongue can be used to bless or to curse Do you ever come on a Sunday morning and you sing your hearts out and you bless the Lord with your tongue, with your your mouth, with your hands and your entire body, and then throughout the week, you curse someone who cut you off on the road? Guilty. What a contradiction. James' point is this, this ought not to be so. He says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and water? 
fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt pond yield fresh water. Church, every man and woman is created in God's image. Even though man fell in sin in, in the garden, the image of God is marred but not totally destroyed. Therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, we ought to not to use our tongue to bless our Lord and Father and curse man at the same time. In fact, Jesus tells us to do the opposite, right? He says, we ought to bless those who curse us and persecute us. Luke 6 and Romans 12. Our tongue is difficult to control. Therefore, we must watch our tongue because it is a source of great destructiveness among the church. In conclusion, church, let me ask you this. Where is our hope Where is our hope? Here's the simple answer. Our hope can only be found in Jesus Christ alone. You see, Jesus gave up the glories of heaven by putting on the the, the flesh, the human flesh, and he died a sinner's death. He died a criminal's death on the cross for our sins. And on the third day, he rose again from the grave, defeating Satan. And those who put their faith and trust in God and repent of their sins will not be destroyed, but shall have everlasting life. And Jesus ascended into heaven, heaven, sending the Holy Spirit, the helper to indwell in us, to empower us, to have self-control and to live lives that are upright. Church, Jesus is our only hope in controlling our tongue. Though evil words of sinful men like Hitler, Jim Jones, and David Koresh brought death to so many and destruction to so many, one man said one word in the Greek language translated into three in the English language that changed the course of human history from death and destruction to redemption and eternal life, and this is the word. Teleo, or it is finished. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who spoke up when he needed to rebuke and when he needed to teach and correct. He spoke the truth in love, by grace. Father, I thank you that when he was being accused, he was also able to hold his tongue. He remained silent before his accusers. He's the only one that has tamed the human tongue for the purpose of redeeming sinful man. Father, I thank you that your word 
not only exhorts us to worship, encourages us to do good works, empowers us to do the hard things, to bring glory and honor to your name, but your word also brings a solemn warning about our tongue. Father, I do pray as a church that you would help us to heed this solemn warning. That you would grant us grace and the ability to restrain our tongue. To choose words that build up and encourage. Father, I pray that this solemn warning in James chapter 3 verses 1 through 11 or 1 through 12 would sanctify your bride that you would help us to become more and more like Jesus. And it is his name that we pray. Amen.